Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Do you ever encounter frustrating, difficult situations in your family, particularly situations filled with anger? How do you handle those situations? Well, we're going to talk about that today. We also have one of my favorite poets lined up for today in the second half of the program, and we'll find out what's going on at the LWML convention. We'll check in with Mary Schmidt of KFUO at the LWML convention later in the program. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for their support of KFUO and Faith and Family. You can find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. Helping us take a look at anger in families, Dr. Jennifer Baker, psychologist with Lutheran Family and Children's Services of Missouri. Dr. Baker, welcome to Faith and Family. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's a privilege to have a chance to talk with you today and learn more about uh, anger in families. Tell me a little bit about uh, your background as a psychologist and your area of specialization. Well, I am a, a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm also licensed as a marriage and family therapist. Um, I've uh, been in the academic setting for a number of years, although now I'm just working for Lutheran Family and also working with a program called Good Dads. But prior to all that, I was the director of family ministries at two different large churches in northern Illinois, um, Lutheran churches. And prior to that, I was a teacher. So uh, uh, I have a long background in working in education and also with uh, couples and families. And I certainly know what it is like to work with angry people. (laughs) (laughs) You work with families, you work with Lutherans, we're all sinners. Uh, (laughs) We encounter anger, and uh, you're going to help us out today. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) What what do you see as a cause of anger in families? Well, all the usual suspects, uh, unrealistic expectations. People think someone is going to do something for them, be there, be a certain way, and they don't. And that can come from anything like, I thought you would be happier on vacation. I thought you would keep the house cleaner. I thought you would be more affectionate, uh, fill in the blank. Of course, kids have expectations of parents and parents of children and of each other's. Uh, We have expectations of our um, adult children or our parents. Uh, You know, we are adults and we still want them to be a particular way. But there's also, you know, just the sense of pride, envy, um, frustration, selfishness. So there's any anger is just a an emotional reaction to not having our needs or wants or expectations met in a particular way. So unmet expectations, whether uh, our perspective is is skewed or accurate, uh, (laughs) unmet expectations can lead to anger. Are there times when you think anger may be appropriate? You know, I think I would just like to say anger just is. Uh, It's the expression of anger that's a problem. And I really worry about Christians sometimes thinking they should not be angry, they should just be nice. I have seen a boatload of people over the years who uh, pretended they were not anger, angry, uh, ignored their anger, stuffed down their anger. And so they were always nice, but frankly, they would withdraw from other people. They would avoid conflict, and that created a lot more problems than if they had let someone else know their anger and frustration. Whether the anger was appropriate or not appropriate, you know, it is a feeling. It's an emotion. So how do you deal with that? It's just a little bit like fear. 
trying to tell someone they shouldn't be afraid does not make them less afraid <laughs> of snakes or flying or anything else. So we can't just say to people, oh, you shouldn't be angry. What we need to do is understand our anger and then learn how to deal with it appropriately. And of course, there are times when we need to appropriately deal with anger. So what we do with anger, anger is a is an emotion, it's a feeling, and yeah. and from my perspective, that falls under that, you know, when, as a Lutheran, that falls under that, that first article gifts, all these things that God has given us, you know, my, yeah. my eyes, ears, it, all my senses, it, it falls under those, those things. And, and all those gifts that God has given us, we, we somehow manage to mess up uh, with those mm-hmm. gifts and how we use them. So th- there may be times when we might be, uh, we might be angered, uh, we might be rightly motivated uh, but right. what we do with that is where the question lies. So, what? Well, absolutely. So. absolutely. I would say sometimes our anger is uh, inappropriate or misplaced. Um, you know, that emotion, we might need to explore that. Sometimes it's a very good thing that we're angry, but we still don't handle it well. And when we don't handle... Um, appropriate anger well, then we can create a lot of damage in our relationships. So then how do we, how do we express this? How do we manage this anger? How do we, how do we handle it appropriately? Uh, let's well, t- go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, there's been some wonderful research out of the University of Denver on, um, couples and handling conflict. So let's just talk about anger a bit as conflict. And there are four communication danger signs that are very, very predictive of the dissolution of a relationship. And so um, if I might, I'll just tell you what those four signs are. One, the first one is escalation. So when you start arguing over something small, like uh, why didn't you put the garage door down or why didn't you pick up the house? And then it escalates to the place where you're saying, if you don't like it here, why don't you just leave? That's a communication danger sign that's very predictive of real problems in the relationship. The second one is invalidation. And that's basically where you show disrespect to your partner or your child. I mean, you know, the other person that you're in conflict with, where you show disrespect for their thoughts, ideas, or just even their character. And, you know, we can show disrespect with our body language, with eye rolling, or with the tone of our voice, as well as our words. So it's not just saying, that's a stupid idea, which of course would be invalidation. It could be saying, well, I have two children, and you know, one of them is 35 years old. So it's that kind (laughs) of tone that says, I'm talking down to my, uh, or when Mm -hmm. I talk about my partner. And, hey, you know, body language says so much more sometimes than the words that are coming out of our mouth. And so that's, okay, so that's invalidation. The third one is withdrawal and avoidance. And this is the one that I have a lot of concerns about um, that often Christian people think. They say, well, they think that the appropriate way to handle anger is to be nice. And and nice is not loving. Nice is sometimes avoiding. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get into it in the heat of the moment. Um, In Walmart, when you're shopping at the end of the day and you're exhausted, 
but it does mean that you need to uh, approach a topic and try to work to some sort of resolution. And then the last one is negative interpretation, where you put a negative spin on whatever your partner does or you overlook all the good. And so it could be, let's say your 16-year-old has um, mowed the lawn and you come home and you see that the lawn is all mowed, but the first thing you say to your son or daughter is, you miss that place over there in the corner by the by the flowers. So you overlook all the good and you focus just on that negative one, or you assume, let's say for instance, your partner is late in coming home and you assume that they did it on purpose just to make you crazy. Uh, so, so there we go. <laughs> There's escalation where you kind of ramp it up. It's like turning up the heat on the argument by the language you're using or your tone or your intensity. You're invalidating, which is showing disrespect. The third one is withdrawing and avoiding. And the fourth one is putting a negative spin, kind of mind reading, assuming you know why they did it and and assuming the worst. So those four things are very predictive. You know, we do those things when we're angry, and they're very predictive of problems in a relationship. So the happiest people with the best relationships recognize their pattern. We all have our own pattern. And then they get out of that pattern as quickly as possible. And, of course, as Christians, we have the opportunity to ask God to help us with that, to help us mm-hmm. see, you know, ask, uh, you know, uh, for the Holy Spirit's guidance in seeing where our pattern is, and then in exercising self-control, which is also a fruit of the Spirit in our life. So those are, uh, you know, we, we don't just go up against these patterns on our own um, strength and will. We have God's help in that. Looking at these four uh, responses to anger, ways that we we, we uh, express anger, I have to say, one, I didn't realize that there were, you know, there were official ways of, of, of uh, recognized ways of, of uh, yes. acknowledging or expressing anger. And secondly, I have to say that I'm extremely skilled in all four methods. So... <laughs> Uh, so let's let's look at these a little more closely because I think if I understand more about how I uh, well let's use escalation for example if okay. I understand what's going on in me perhaps that can help me understand a little bit better about how I handle it in the future and might also help me stop looking at myself and look outward. Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, to recognize that usually um, a pattern of behavior like escalation or withdrawal that happens in relation to another person. So I've often said to couples, and uh, you might, you could say this to um, families as well, like parent-child kind of interactions, whether they're grown or, you know, adolescents. I often said, honestly, you know what you can do to set the other person off. And you know when you get into an argument how it's going to go. You might as well just tape record it, let it play in the living room, and go off and have fun. Because <laughs> you know how this thing is going to go down. And they, I mean, when they think about it, they're like, yeah, oh. So you recognize your pattern. You may not be able to control what the other person is going to do. I mean, think about an argument you might have with a sibling as an adult or with an adult pattern, but you recognize your pattern and you can say, I'm not going to escalate. I'm at least not going to engage in this kind of dance that we do. I'm going to focus on keeping my voice calm 
I'm going to focus on staying in the room. I'm going to focus on talking in a loving way as opposed to um, invalidating what my partner or what my child or what my parent is saying. Does that make sense? Sure. And I'm thinking more, even more along the lines of what's going on in me more somatically, like what I'm... Uh, okay, I noticed that my heart is beating faster or yep. that words mm-hmm. are suddenly flying through my mind um, that yes. that fortunately not all of them are flying out of my mouth, that, but they're all flying through my mind. Yes. What do I do with that is the question. Oh, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that. Well, when that's happening, that's an important time to give yourself a timeout. And so, because whenever we feel threatened and, you know, when those words start flying through your mind, you're already experiencing the fight or flight response. And you're going to need at least 18 to 20 minutes to calm down. The amygdala, which is in Mm -hmm. the center of your brain and controls emotions, uh, is basically saying danger, danger, danger. And that your, your frontal cortex, which would control the words coming out of your mouth and clear thinking at that moment, that needs some time to catch up. So that would be a good time to say, you know, to the person who you're feeling frustrated with, uh, to say, I really want to talk about this, but I just need a few minutes. I'll get back to you. See, what a lot of people do is they withdraw at that point. Mm-hmm. But it's the, if you're calling a timeout on yourself because you're kind of feeling flooded, then it's your responsibility to go back to the person and say, okay, now let's talk. Because if they're ever going to allow you that space to have a little bit of a timeout, then it's it's going to be because you go back to them. And of course, as as believers, we have the opportunity to pray about that and say, God, Help me, you know, help me in this conflict to do this in a godly way, in a way that honors you, um, as opposed to just charging right in and then later on having to pick up all the pieces from that. So what do I do with it 18 to 20 minutes away from the situation? I I leave the room, I leave the conversation, I leave the person uh, with whom I found myself angry. What do I do with that that uh, that time away to, to cool down? Okay. So in addition to praying, uh, you know yourself, so you know, would it be better for you to take a little walk? Would it be better for you to listen to some music? Would it be better for you to do some calming exercises? Um, Would it be better uh, to go chop wood? (laughs) (laughs) As they used to say, chopping wood is great. It would be productive. Physical exercise. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, Mm -hmm. you don't have to get right back to it in 20 minutes. You could give yourself a couple hours. I think the important thing is to assure the other person that you will get back to them. You just need a few minutes to calm yourself. So if you're the person that tends to escalate, you're the person that's probably going to need to say, I need a little space so I can calm down and then we will get back to this. I don't want to just, I don't want to just avoid, this is obviously important. Is that? Sure. And I'm even thinking perhaps if, you know, if, if someone says to me, you know what, I need some time to, to calm down, to cool off yeah. before we finish this conversation, that's probably going to be a trigger for me. And send, yes. <laughs> send me an ex. I have the, some of the greatest difficulty when I'll say what happened then and the when you wanted to take a time out and the person will say, 
he or she, and this is like even a parent lecturing, wouldn't leave me alone. And, you know, I will look at that person and say, you have to stop pursuing. You, at that moment, they've asked you for a little space. Stop. And that, you know, again, this is where as believers, it's trusting that God will help you, that you, you know, what is it in you that thinks you have to right now in this minute set the other person straight? That's that's not uh, a godly thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I've I found in you know in uh, in the household, particularly with a young child, mm-hmm. uh, when when they start to escalate, uh, yeah. as a parent, sometimes <laughs> I'll say, you know, it seems like maybe you need some time to cool off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's take some time to cool off. Maybe maybe go lay down for a little bit and go relax. Mm-hmm. Uh, spend some uh, spend a little bit of time cooling off. When you're ready to talk, we can we can talk. Right, right. That's that's a perfect example. You know, when you can, uh, when we can talk respectfully to each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can still be angry and be respectful of the other person. Uh, sadly, we don't see a lot of that in the re- political arena today. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can disagree, and you can disagree intensely and still be respectful of each other. And, you know, I think there's some wonderful examples of that in Acts in the early church where there were disagreements, but people were still respectful. So. Sure. Was it, uh, it was, uh, uh, was it Paul and Barnabas? Is that right? They, yes. I think they, they, they disagreed. They went uh, separate ways. They parted ways mm-hmm. over John Mark. Uh, and, of course, even when they had to, uh, Paul and Peter had to come together uh, in Acts 15 and decide the direction of the early church with regard to the um, what, how they were going to interact with the Gentiles, I think, again, we have to look at that wasn't all so easy. There were very strong opinions about that, but they remembered the, the greater good, the overall vision, you know, what, what God wanted them to do. And because of that, they were able to make some decisions that allowed them to uh, treat each other with respect, and still expand the gospel. So, I mean, that's what I think we're called to do in our families, in our communities, in our churches. Let's go back to withdrawal and avoidance as one of those ways of of handling anger. You know, sometimes we think, I I think, uh, you know what, I'm just not, I'm angry about this, but I don't want to make it even an even bigger issue. I don't want to deal with this person right now. I'm just going to avoid them altogether. I don't want to deal with it anymore. What, how is that, how could that be problematic? Well, what tends to happen there is resentment and bitterness build over the years. Uh, Now I'd like to, you know, divide into categories. Um, There are people with whom you could come to some sort of reconciliation or compromise or whatever. Most people are reasonable. And when we build bitterness and anger um, over the years, it's like building a brick wall brick by brick. And I don't, you know, until the wall is so high, it's really hard to take that wall down. And when we do, we create a lot of damage. There are a few people with whom you are never going to have a close relationship because of just the nature of their personalities. In those cases, um, 
it's not so much as withdrawal and avoidance, but it's more about healthy boundaries. And I think that's probably a discussion for another day about how do you have healthy boundaries with people who are destructive or are manipulative. Um, so let's, I'm going to put that to the side because I just want to acknowledge that you probably have some listeners out there going like, you don't know my fill in the blank. And I would say, I don't. And there are some people with whom this, you know, being good communication skills, good conflict resolution skills won't work. That's in a separate category. We still are called to behave in a godly way because we're responsible for our own behavior, but it looks a little different. Now, with most people, good communication skills, which means listening to understand, listening, listening, listening. So you may not agree with what they're saying about what happened at the picnic last summer with great aunt Matilda, but you say, okay, so you're still really frustrated and upset about what happened last summer at the picnic. Is that right? And you may think in your mind, that's crazy, but, but you listen because you're trying to understand their perspective, even if you don't agree with it. You're much more likely to have them listen to your perspective if you first really listen to the hurt and frustration of the other person. Hmm. Listening. That sounds key. <laughs> yeah, I had somebody recently say, oh, you know, uh, I have a friend who wrote this book about communication. I mean, you ought, to, you ought to read it. I think you could recommend it to your clients. I mean, it's all about how to talk about difficult topics. And I said, well, thank you for the recommendation. But I really find that most people struggle in the area of listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, good communication involves talking, but it's probably more like 75 to 80% of really listening and listening to understand and letting the other person know that you heard them as opposed to trying to drive your point across the finish line. What? That's, what, that's what we often want. We don't really want to try to understand the other person. <laughs> what if we find ourselves in, in a situation, in a relationship where we just, we can't seem to, uh, to reconcile, we can't seem to, uh, to find a way to, to work it out. What should we do to, should we seek help? Yes. I mean, absolutely. If that's a possibility. I mean, of course, forgiveness is a key, but you can't always reconcile with everyone that you've forgiven. Uh, forgiveness is a, is a gift that God enables us to give to someone else. And sometimes you know, we're recognizing that person is forgiven or loved by God, um, and, and we're just extending the forgiveness that God has given to us. But sometimes the second step would be like, I want to have a better relationship with this person, my brother, my sister, my parent, my spouse, my child, uh, getting good professional help. And I am just going to say, I think it's very important to insist on someone who will help you resolve conflict. Um, you can really help the process of doing that as opposed to doing a lot of looking into your past about what causes you to be an angry person, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's insight and insight can be helpful, but it doesn't actually change your behavior and you need help. And what I, what I would say coaching is what I say to my clients, you know, who are angry. I'm not the referee here. I'm the coach because I want your family to win. I want your marriage to win. 
Um, so I'm helping you. And so it's, you know, I'm coming alongside of them, helping them learn a new skill. And uh, if they're believers, then I'm like, and, and God is in this. This is something that God wants for you. So you don't have to worry that we're not doing something that he wouldn't help you with. My guest today, Dr. Jennifer Baker, psychologist with Lutheran Family and Children's Services of Missouri. Dr. Baker, thank you very much for uh, for our conversation today. And you just helped out, uh, a, you know, anyone that I uh, might uh, encounter later on today. <laughs> That's good to know, Andy. I, I hope I'll hear more about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Baker, for being our guest today. You're welcome. Coming up in just a little bit, looking for... Uh, longing for a calm moment. We were talking about how to, uh, what to do when you step away from an angry situation to calm down. Well, we have something that might just help out with that. One of my favorite poets writes some poetry that helps with those calm moments. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.